everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lunar Crush Live. Today, we've got Marcus, partner at C-Labs. We're going to be chatting CeeLo. Um, you know, make sure you get in there, ask some questions in the chat. Um, we'll try and get to as many of those at the end as we can. Um, obviously, you got to make a point to slam that subscribe button. We always have to. I'm sure you're sick of hearing it, but you got to do it. Um, also, our, our disclaimer, you know, we do not take payment for our live streams. We bring on cool people and fun projects that are building in the space and trying to bring this whole industry forward. So um, with that, John, let's chat. CeeLo, what's going on? Yeah, so um, CeeLo is a project that we added to Lunar Crush uh, in the last few months. And, um, you know, a lot of interesting, exciting activity. Um, really, I'm going to say it again, beautiful website. If you haven't checked out their website, go do it. Uh, it's it's really well done, great videos and all that. So so kudos to your your marketing and design team there and your user experience team. Um, so I'm going to go over a few different uh, social metrics today. Um, so when we look at uh, the, the price, three fourteen, uh, it's up seven percent over the last week. Uh, it's got a market cap of about eight hundred and thirty five million, uh, twenty four hour volume of twenty point four six million, and a circulating supply of two hundred and about two hundred sixty six million out of a billion max uh, supply. Um, when we look at uh, just the last week, I just wanted to show some of the social metrics to give an idea of what we're looking at here. Um, and it's uh, you know early days and there's a lot of growth ahead. Uh, and when we look at the social volume on a weekly basis, we're up 26% here. Um, that's looking at the number of social mentions on an hourly basis. And we see things like up to about 30, uh, 43 social mentions on an hourly basis. Uh, we look at social engagement and we're seeing some pretty interesting spikes in there. What that's looking at is that's looking at the depth of the conversations um, that, that are being had across social channels. So if someone uh, tweets uh, about Cello, they they use the ticker, they use a hashtag, they use the, the handle, they use um, really anything related to it. Um, we pick up all of those uh, social posts and we see, are there a lot of comments back? Are there a lot of retweets? Uh, is there a lot going on? And so we see that there's been some pretty interesting spikes and I'll, I'll point out what that is in just a moment. Um, when we look at the number of social contributors on an hourly basis, we're seeing up to about 57. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're seeing like uh, that increase when you look at on a, on a weekly basis, it's moving up. And when you see who that is, um, it gets even a little more interesting. So we see that uh, the cello uh, like handle on Twitter is the number one most influential followed by Cointelegraph, Upright VCAMPs, uh, Anka, Bogdana, Rusu. I don't know if I said that right. I apologize. Uh, there you go. Cello uh, <laughs> developers, uh, we've been promoting uh, this live stream, so we're up there. Um, Ria G, oh man, QR, uh, Symmetric. Keep trying uh, to get it right. <laughs> there you go. Uh, follow uh, Renee and uh, Burdost and 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 why are these the most influential? Well, it's because they're when they're posting, the, their posts continually get the most engagement. Um, they've done the most posts about Cello, and they have the most followers relative to everyone else in their account. Um, and pretty interesting when you look at some of the things that are being talked about um, over the last week here. So we were looking at uh, you know. Uh, Deutsche Telekom selected Coinbase custody to store its cello tokens. Um, you know, I like this one. They're talking about it's a mobile first, normie first approach. Can't right. tell you how important that is. Um, so important. You know, uh, we were just on another stream. Someone was asking, how do I use this wallet? Um, how do I transfer? How does this all work? And I think there's, you know, a lot of user experience challenges still in crypto. Uh, but some of the more interesting things in here, like, um, Cello ran a pilot in the first half of 2020 during COVID lockdowns to test a set of hypotheses around under-collateralized credit for Venezuelan migrants residing in Colombia. Would oh. love to hear more about that. Um, we talk, here we're talking about uh, you know, Dunia Pay and Cello, the, the next chapter of banking in West Africa. Um, there's a lot in here. This one's amazing. Uh, Crypto-driven universal basic income as a tool to reach refugees during the pandemic. Um, so really interesting. This sounds like there's a lot of work going on in developing markets. Um, and so really a lot of interesting things to discuss here. So uh, with that, let's, let's bring our guest in. Cool. Hey there, Marcus. Welcome to the show, my man. Hey, Joel. Hey, John. Great to be here. Hey, Marcus. Thanks a lot for doing that. Exciting. 
<laughs> yeah, we we're, we were just John was doing the job for you, just getting it all out there. Yeah, uh, and and uh, already raised very exciting news, very exciting points. Um, so happy to chat about this uh, today. Cool, man. Well, no, I appreciate you being on, and um, you know, we had we had some fun going through the project last night and looking at the website and and kind of what you guys are working on. And uh, so, yeah, we always like to start with where where you are in the world and uh, what's it like there today. Uh, I'm in Berlin, and uh, today it's a sunny day in Berlin, which is nice. Uh, we had uh, rainy, very rainy weeks in in Germany behind us. Um, mm -hmm. It's it's not the typical summer, um, so it's good that the sun is out. People can finally go back out. Um, so it's a good day, um, and uh, you chose a great background uh, image for this stream here. That mm -hmm. all already matches colors on the Cello web page. So cool job. <laughs> yeah, it's totally definitely on purpose there. Um, so <laughs> tell us a little bit about, um, you know, I, I'd love to hear like your personal history, how you got into the space, what makes you so excited about crypto, um, why you dedicating your life to it and all that other good stuff. Yeah, happy, happy to talk about that. Um, so I'm an economist. Um, I started my career in research studied uh, economics um, and uh, did my PhD in um, economics. Um, so did a lot of research on traditional portfolio theory, on macroeconomics and other interesting topics, worked at research institutions um, and then went into traditional finance, um, I would call it today. So I worked in asset management. I was a portfolio manager for pension funds and for family office. Uh, also worked as an investment advisor, worked in investment banking. So all these traditional um, yeah, finance uh, related topics where you can think about economics, think about data and risk and volatility and all these important topics, um, but uh, on traditional asset classes. And then um, at a really nice bachelor's party, uh, I met an old friend, René, um, one of the founders of Cello or co-creators yeah. of Cello. And he told me about, um, on the one hand, the unbanked or underbanked, that um, a significant amount of people in the world don't have the same access to banking as we do or access to traditional finan financial services. Um, and he also told me about how powerful blockchain technology is um, and they are, that they are um, also out of MIT just starting a project called Cello, which is an Esperanto word for purpose. Um, so I looked deeper okay. into it um, and um, he, he told me that, um, yeah, I could help on the economic side. Um, and that got me really exciting. Think, continue to think about economics, making economics work on Cello, thinking also mm -hmm. about monetary theory and all these things, um, but with a very exciting and powerful technology that can be much more inclusive, that can help uh, many people uh, to be part of a financial system and yeah, to create uh, conditions for prosperity for everyone. So I, I have to ask, so Marcus, with such a, with such a big traditional uh, economic background, I guess, how do you see the world today? And how do you see the current crypto market today in that world? That's a, it's a good question, because this is actually also something we would like to change with Cello. In the, in the traditional world, only very limited people so far use crypto for remittances, for day-to-day -day payments, for settlement payments, even for uh, for saving, for lending, for borrowing, for all these things. Um, and and we look very closely why that is. And it's of course because crypto sometimes can be complicated to use for people who are not crypto native or not in working in this industry. Um, crypto is also very volatile um, and, and therefore there are many reasons why in the world today people still for day-to-day -day transa uh, transactions in many parts of the world don't use crypto for it. Um, and, and I think here we actually can make a difference uh, with what we are building. We're building something that is mobile first and therefore trying to get real use cases to, to crypto um, and real adoption via mobile phones. Uh, 
And since you also asked about the state of the world um, today, it's also interesting to see that for the last hundreds of years, there was no real innovation on money itself. There was a lot of innovation in like payments technology for, for a few fortunate people that now can maybe pay with their credit card uh, just by touch. And this goes relatively fast and they don't even see the fees that the merchant in the background has to pay for it. That is nice, um, but money itself, we haven't seen a lot of innovation. So um, with this technology, you can actually see so many super interesting things um, now coming uh, live to life. Like for example, a universal basic income when we tie money to an identity, or you could see um, stable coins, stable currencies that make remittances worldwide much cheaper and faster. You could also see a specific use case currencies um, and you can see also local currencies. Um, you can uh, imagine nature backed asset currencies, um, all these interesting ideas that are possible on this technology and possible on cello. Um, uh, uh, yeah, really exciting um, and make me very, very happy and excited to be in this space. Before we so get to Real quick. I, I just wanted to add a personal yeah, story to, to this. It's like, because I, I just went to New York City and I just got back yesterday. And when I was in the airport, uh, when I landed and when I took off, not a single um, retailer in the airport restaurant, none of them are taking cash. None. They only are taking credit cards right now. So if you just think about that for a second, how crazy is that? Like, <laughs> like when you say that there's been no innovation in actual money, you know, like they're choosing to pay fees um, in in a really inefficient. It's not an efficient system. Um, it's overusing true. paper money. True, it's, it's just blows my mind. Yeah, it's not an efficient money, and this is at the New York airport. If you go to Berlin, um, there's like many stores that don't accept credit cards uh, because the fees on credit cards are insanely high. Um, and then if you go to other parts of the world where people can't get a credit card, um, there's, again, a different story. And then you have also parts of the world where people have, diff for different reasons, uh, problems to get access to a stable currency, maybe because their local currency is hyperinflationary. So it's like all these different reasons why I would say there's a lot of potential to, yeah, to change the system, to make it not only... Um, yeah, more resistant, um, not only faster and more efficient, but also making it more safe and more stable uh, for, for users out there. And I think here we are st just at the start um, of what this technology can actually do. So yeah, uh, exciting times ahead. Great. Cool. Yeah, and before we, I do want to get to crypto made for mobile, right? And, and the strategy behind kind of like leading with that. But I, I just want to make a, a quick, just reaction and comment of like, you know, someone that's coming from more traditional side, you know, wealth management, whether you're working with like larger clients or larger banks, you know, there's different currencies around the world. But did you did you think, you know, when you were in university or when you were kind of growing up, like seeing just the proliferation, like you're saying, we're just at the beginning, right? And we I think we all know that there's over 8000 traded cryptocurrencies now. Like, did you did you ever think that there'd be this many mediums of exchange? I no, I didn't didn't see that coming, and also didn't see that coming uh, so quickly. Um, when I when I left this old world uh, four years ago, um, I was chatting with uh, folks from the Bank for International Settlements um, and uh, told them I'm now going into the blockchain space and um, I'm building a mobile first blockchain. Um, and they told me, wow, dude, that is crazy. Uh, you have, like, you have a good job. You're in, in traditional finance. Uh, you're working with us. So, so that is just like, don't touch that. Yeah. And over the last four years, they like changed their opinion on all this so much because not only central banks also see that they have done a bad job on building something or building an inclusive system, they also see that the system is really inefficient and they also see the power of this technology. So from like 
in these four years I'm now working in this in this industry, if you can already call it an industry, um, the, the Bank for International Settlements uh, is yeah was going from wow this is just pure craziness to that is actually a powerful technology. Uh, every central bank in the world should also look at it. So it's yeah it's a very very rapid change. So what do you, where do you think you saw the light a little bit and maybe some of your coworkers there didn't see the light? Like, what do you think switched for you? And, and then, you know, they're telling you, man, you're crazy. You should never do this. And you're like, I'm definitely doing this. So I, I think one thing here with this technology is that here, I mean, every, every project that, that uh, starts in, in or the, uh, every startup uh, talks about making the world a little bit better. So no matter <laughs> if they are, I don't know, are a delivery service for food or they're building routers or they are working in the blockchain industry, everyone is saying they, they try to make the world a bit better. But here with this technology, I can actually see a very realis realistic um yeah, shot to make that happen, to make payments more efficient, much cheaper and more inclusive for everyone. Um, and I mean, for me, I'm living in Berlin, having access to a bank, having access to a credit card. Um, the day to day payments for me probably are relatively efficient because I don't see what, for example, the merchant pays um, when, when I do a purchase there. Um, but Already, if I would like to send you a, a wire transfer from Berlin to New York, um, that already gets tricky because if I use the traditional uh, banking rails, then it takes four days and I pay 10% of fees. Um, and I could just do this transfer on Cello and send you Cello dollar just by knowing your mobile phone number. And uh, this payment arrives within five seconds. And I pay less than a basis point in fees, um, and and it's super easy. I just need to know your phone number. So I think here, like even for us, we can make a very like rapid uh, and in extreme difference. Um, also in in the whole DeFi space, in lending and borrowing, but we can basically build it inclusive and and build it for so many people who don't have this access I have, um, and 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 therefore, uh, yeah, yeah, this this for me is super important. That is, there's a very realistic chance to 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 make something or to build something that changes the world. Amazing, yeah. And it, it, so it, as soon as you heard about it, your mind just went all the way down. You're like, oh, holy crap, this is changing everything. And, and yes. it's going to disrupt everything. You know, it's, I felt the same way. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, you, you touched a little bit about all you need to do is put in your, like, send it like a mobile phone number, right? And like we talk about experience all the time in this space. Um, and so is that, like, talk a little bit about why, you know, you, you drop on your guys' homepage and it's like made for mobile, like crypto made for mobile. Like what is, why are you guys leading with that? Um, why is that so important? Um, yeah, um, that's that's a very good point. Um, very good uh, transition. Um, so Celo is, I would say, the first mobile first blockchain um, with this like extreme focus um, on mobile. And um, mobile is very important to us because today in the world, if you look, for example, at the um, Ericsson Mobility Report, there are already 8 billion smartphones uh, in the world. Um, so a lot of people now have access to a smartphone. But not only access to a smartphone, also connectivity in the world is getting better and better. So with this 8 billion smartphones, um, there in, in, in a few years, 90% of the users worldwide have either 3G or better, which is, which is great. So also connectivity is getting better. So there are lots of mobile devices um, and, and therefore we see there's huge potential to bring crypto to these 8 billion um, people. Um, and with it, like not only payments and remittances, but also lending, borrowing the whole DeFi um, space to to um, 
to smartphones. Building for mobile is not easy. Um, for example, the the apps or the dApps that live on Cello, they really have to focus on the most important things because you build for a small screen. Um, but if you do that and if you start with it and if you lead it and then scale up and also build web wallets and so on, it's much easier because you already had to focus um, in, your, in your first application. Um, mobile is also very secure um, it has many interesting benefits but a blockchain on the protocol level has to be like ready to support um, uh, mobile forms um, or ultralight clients so transactions on the cello network are around 700,000 times lighter than on other blockchains and the cello network uh, supports ultralight clients so that you can actually transact with this blockchain and interact with this blockchain with a very like cheap, very simple Android phone, uh, no matter where in the world you are. Um, so just because of this like huge adoption of mobile, um, I think building something very inclusive has to be uh, mobile first. And, and this is how we uh, thought about it um, from from the start. But when we talk today about Cello, we typically say it's mobile, it's open, it's real. The other nice features is it's open, so it's fully permissionless. It's a proof-of-stake blockchain. Um, everyone can build applications on top of it. Um, it's a um, Ethereum fork and fully compatible with uh, the uh, Ethereum virtual machine. Um, so um, smart contracts are built in Solidity mm -hmm. That means if you've built applications on top of Ethereum, you can very easily port them over to Celo and build your mobile-first applications, which is which is also very important to to create a very vibrant developer community. The cool thing is currently the developer community is steadily steadily growing. Um, the the Celo Foundation is giving grants and is very proud that we now have builders in uh, one hundred. 13 countries around the world, wow. so uh, very, uh, very international. And then this last part of mobile open and real is building for real use cases. So as I said, like real payments, real like transactions, remittances, but also DeFi, lending, borrowing, all these things. Um, yeah, that is like a, a broad overview. And like just to give an example, what already already works today. So there are stable coins on, on Celo. Celo dollar um, was the first one. Second one um, was Celo euro. Um, and if I send a Celo dollar to someone, I just need to know their uh, phone number. And when I know the phone number, I can actually do it from my uh, phone book. Um, I could use, for example, the Valora app, which is a payments app on top of Cello um, and that uh, I, um, that integrates my phone uh, book, so I can actually look up a number in my phone book, send a Cello dollar there. The Cello dollar arrives within five seconds when the person already has Valora. If not, they would get a short message saying, "Marcus sent a payment. It's hold in escrow until you unlock it." Um, and and this all smart contract based and. The cool, nice, or the two cool features are um, additionally that gas fees are super low, less than a basis point on on that transaction. Um, it's very fast, and I can pay the transaction fees, for example, for Celo Dollar in Celo Dollar, so I don't need a different currency. And if I send you Celo Euro, I can pay also for gas in Celo Euro. So that makes it very easy um, to send from phone to phone. That was a long answer. Sorry. Hey, no, it's great. No, it's, it's a nice walkthrough of just trying to understand a little bit. Um, you know, I think it's really, it's really cool that you can send this to someone's phone number and it's held in the smart contract until they almost go and claim it, right? Yeah. So it's like, hey, we can onboard new people. All I need is your phone number, and I don't even need you to accept yet. I'm just sending it there. Just hopefully you don't change your phone number in the next couple of days. Yes. Well, before I send you that money, but it's. It's, and it's if a, people do that, I, yeah. I still can claim um, my send send it uh, money back as the sender. Um, at at some point, uh, it it would automatically go back. 
And um, if I use, for example, Valora and use, lose my phone or change my phone number, there are still ways how I can basically recover my wallet. Um, I need to yeah, remember a seed phrase um, and then I can recover my wallet. Great. All right, I want to bring up. I want to bring up a really. You, you've mentioned inclusivity quite a lot here, and there's a really incredible tweet um, that I'll read here from the uh, Refugee Integration Organization um, that that Cello retweeted. Um, it says, "We made the news in Ghana today with crypto-based universal basic income turning refugee camps into micro economies." And it's hashtag built on Cello. Um, so this is interesting. There was even a tweet yesterday from a famous American uh, politician from Andrew Yang saying cryptocurrency is one path to universal basic income. Um, well, this is taking it a whole lot further. So I, I, I'd be really curious what's behind that tweet that I read. Um, that's awesome. And I mean, this is the nice thing where I say now we can can innovate on money. Um, if you tie money to some form of identity, you can... Uh, enable universal basic income um, because people now, for example, can register with their phone number and can receive a universal basic income. Um, and there are start universal basic income projects starting around the world in Ghana, in Brazil, um, in Venezuela. Um, so there's a interesting project, um, Impact Market, um, that that basically creates uh, universal basic income systems for their beneficiaries. Um, where each beneficiary can claim a fixed amount on a regular basis. And they already distributed close to 1 million cello dollar. Um, they have more than 50,000 beneficiaries. And as I said, it's in, in communities like uh, in Brazil, in Venezuela, in, in, in Ghana. And I think this is a very exciting development. Um, and actually, I said more than 15,000 beneficiaries. I think currently it's even more than uh, or close to 20,000 beneficiaries um, in 100 communities around the world. Um, and the interesting thing, when you talk to the local um, program leads that on-ramp people into these universal basic income projects is that at first you can typically see that people can come basically every day and cash out what what they get because it's of course it's something new um, but the more they gain trust in it that they actually can cash out every day and can like claim their like money also in fiat if they don't want to keep for example the cello dollar that then already creates a bit of trust and and this is nice because this changes then the behavior people then start to see and look and, and learn what else can they do with it. And then, for example, in Valora, they see, hey, I actually can earn rewards by holding on to some of the like earnings I have, like this, this universal basic income. I can earn additional rewards. Um, I can maybe even do payments um, in, in, in certain shops in my community. Um, I can do like also send money around the world as well, um, maybe to my family that lives either in another refugee camp or maybe in a different country. Um, so all these things, when they learn about it, um, they like also start to trust. And what you then see is that like these ecosystems develop really, really quickly around Cello, around like these universal basic income schemes, maybe even around the, the, the wallet app, Valora. Um, so that is, I think, a very interesting development we see in, in now in many different countries. And therefore, it's really cool that like building open source enables all these things because now like many different uh, projects can build also their charity solutions on top of it. And impact market and giving universal basic income is one example. Another example, I think you also called out in, when going through the most popular tweets was um, this project the Grameen Foundation did in the Philippines, where women that before the COVID pandemic were able to support their families and due to COVID couldn't anymore, received um, support payments again in Valora, in Cello Dollars, via Cello. Um, and there we could see the same thing. Everyone was super happy. Everyone said it's like very intuitive, very easy. And it is so efficient also for the charity 
um, foundation, in this case for Grameen, because they don't need to handle cash. They actually have a very good overview on the beneficiaries. Um, they, they can distribute daily, weekly, just via a smart contract. Um, so um, Cello, um, as, a, as a platform, has the so-called Alliance for Prosperity. And in this Alliance for Prosperity, there are currently, I think, 140 or 150 mission-aligned organizations. And these organizations are in all these different use cases, remittances, saving, lending, borrowing, DeFi, building, but also in charity. And um, you, uh, Impact Market is one example. Grameen Foundation is another example. But you can also see Give Directly, Mercy Corps. So very interesting projects in this, um, in, in this Alliance for Prosperity. And again, similar to the platform itself, this alliance is, is open, is, 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 of course, free of cost or charge. People should be that join the alliance or projects that join the alliance should be mission aligned in building something inclusive, enabling this technology to enable their users. Um, and yeah, we also now see traditional projects and, and companies joining the alliance very recently in um, Deutsche Telekom and with its uh, T-Mobile joined the alliance for prosperity. This is a super interesting development because T-Mobile has 240 million mobile users. If they enable everyone to send remittances via, via mobile phone, this has huge potential. Also, PayU joined the Alliance uh, for Prosperity. It's an um, organization that, that um, provides payment systems for uh, merchants. They have a lot of merchants um, they're working with. And they also enable the merchants to accept cello currencies. So, um, yeah, we, we are very happy about these recent developments. So the, these organizations that are joining the Alliance for Prosperity, they are, they are funding certain projects out there. I guess, how does that all kind of flow together? Like, um, like down to the level of universal basic income for refugees, I suppose, like, is it, is that what's funding that? Yeah, so in the end, um, the Alliance for Prosperity is open for everyone that like can or agrees with this mission to build a more inclusive system that creates the conditions for prosperity for everyone. So all these organizations that join the Alliance for Prosperity are very mission aligned on that. Then typically these organizations have a lot of users and they want to use cello technology to enable their users and and yeah make this technology to their users um, available um, and then where for example funding for these projects comes from is very different so it could be that for example grameen foundation raises like charity funds for this project in the philippines from a different source from a different donor but then like um exchange it into cello or cello dollar or cello euro and then use it for the for the payments uh, program it's maybe important to call out that um, not only the cello platform is, is permissionless and fully decentralized it's also all based on the cello governance token capital letter cello that you also showed um, in in the beginning of of this um, of this video um, the Cello governance token allows you um, to take part in governance, to um, stake and vote for validators. Uh, you can earn staking rewards for doing that. The governance token also allows you to take part in governance, um, which means, um, for example, a decision, what should be the next stablecoin launching on Cello is a governance decision. And by holding the Cello governance token, you can actually take part in, in that. And then basically next to this governance token, there are also these stablecoins on Cello, like Cello Dollar and Cello Euro. Um, and the nice thing is that the more demand um, you create for, for um, the, the stable assets, cello dollar, cello euro, the more demand there is for this governance asset. Um, so there's also a token economic link between, uh, between those. Um, so the whole system basically is based on this governance token. I've got a question about governance, you know, and you being an economist and looking at kind of world governments and, you know, it's like when you think about the the traditional system, right? And then you talk, you kind of talked about this like paradigm shift of like 
a jump in technology. And that's why I think like people with the UBI example from before, they're like, how is this even possible? It's like, well, there's been no in like invention on money in so long that people almost don't believe it's possible. But something that's interesting that you see a little bit of in this space, and I'm not exactly sure like how like Cello is set up like this way, but um, in some kind of layer one networks, you know, there's a, there's some folks that own a lot of a specific governance token, right? And so if these other projects are trying to potentially get voted up for something that they're trying to go for, you're seeing, you know, like I would say similar activity that you, that you would see in like a traditional government, like lobbying, for example, right? Where someone's like, hey, like help me get this law passed that allows me to like burn coal in this area that I shouldn't, right? And in crypto, that would be, hey, we'll give you a bunch of our token if you governance token holder that has a lot um, vote for this other thing. How, like, how do we prevent against some of that? And like, how do you guys look at that specifically, you know, whether it's like releasing a, a small amount over time or like how do you decentralize even more so that uh, certain parties aren't like so influential? It's it's a great question. And I think also something the whole uh, blockchain uh, world still struggles with. Um, right. I think proof of stake made many things uh, much more efficient um, than, um, for example, proof of work. The nice thing about proof of stake especially is that it's much more um, emission efficient. So there are much more, uh, much less emissions from a proof of stake governance algorithm than a proof of work. Um, the cello blockchain is actually carbon negative currently, not only because it's proof of stake, but also because of an offset on the protocol level of the remaining emissions um, to, that is done together with uh, Project REN. But this is just a, a side note. So that basically proof of stake made things more efficient, especially from also an environmental um, perspective. But we are trying to build a fully decentralized system. And then you can sometimes see exactly what you said, that either a centralized party holds all the governance token, or you can also see that some blockchains are going down because Google Cloud or AWS is going down and, and all the nodes are running on, on that. So we are trying to build for a, a fully decentralized, but there are, of course, many challenges to actually do that. Um, I think for us, one thing is important to bridge this world of the crypto natives, the DeFi um, protocols, um, also the other protocols out there, like engaging with them um, to, because this world is extremely important for us uh, because here they are these the, the builders also of the other blockchains. And therefore we are working a lot on interoperability to other blockchains um, to you know, also keep um, or stay decentralized um, from, from that perspective. Then also bringing traditional non-crypto or non-crypto native projects into this world, like Deutsche Telekom or PayU or end users around the world, also helps with decentralization. For example, Deutsche Telekom could help um, because they are running their own server farms, which are from a technical perspective, uh, uncorrelated to yeah, a downtime risk of, I don't know, uh, the, the other cloud providers, which is already um, adding uh, robustness. And then I think it's very important um, also to give grants to the countries where you would like to see adoption to projects that are actually in country building for their own um, yeah, communities. Um, and with this, you also keep a system decentralized. I, I mentioned in the beginning, we now have 113 builders in, uh, we have thousands of builders in 113 countries around the world. I think this makes it also very decentralized because, for example, Cello Foundation is giving, giving grants in all these countries to develop local ecosystems. We, as one project, as C-Labs, we cannot like build everything and, and hold on to, to token or, or anything. That, that wouldn't work in all these different countries because we actually maybe don't know what are the, the biggest like use cases or the biggest challenges in these countries. So I, I think here, this, for example, a, a clever grants program, um, a very long-term approach in terms of block rewards, 
a de decentralized approach to validators, a steadily increasing set of validators, all this helps with the decentralization. And what does a what does the process look like to qualify for some of these grants for developers or teams, you know, out, maybe even people that are outside, like you said, of the space that are coming in? Um, yeah. How do they get involved? And, and actually, grants is only one way um, to get started to build on, on Cello and, and get an initial funding. So um, basically, if you, for example, go to the Cello web page, Cello.org, uh, at the bottom, you can find the grant kit, which very like in a very detailed way um, leads you through a grant application if you have like if you want to build something on Cello. Um, and I think that is a first and very interesting way. Um, a second thing would be um, there's also Cello Camp. Um, Cello Camp uh, is a boot camp slash incubator with prices, with mentors. Um, also with uh, yeah funding um, based on prices and, and it basically teaches you how to build on Cello. Um, it's a, a virtual bootcamp, so you can join from anywhere and you get like really cool mentors from the space and not only from C Labs but also from cool projects like, for example, Polychain or Andreessen Horowitz or or, or others. Mm -hmm. Um, there's also ecosystem funds, um, for example, the Flori ecosystem fund, um, the, the Andreessen and Polychain ecosystem fund and others. So there are many different ways, if you have a great idea, um, to, for example, get a initial funding or to get initial insights on how to build on Cello. A second thing next to all these funding initiatives and boot camps and so on is, I think it's also important when building open source to make the code very like accessible. So we've like done a lot um, to yeah build out a good documentation of the code on docs.cello.org so that people not only can check out the GitHub repo, but also can like read up in, in docs to, to see how things are working. That's hopefully also helping. And then I think on I think it's chat.cello.org um, leads you to a Discord channel that is very active where you can engage with other projects building on Cello, with other builders and developers on Cello, which uh, is also, I think, very helpful. Yeah, a lot of a lot of resources. You know, I I never share a, another company's footer with our team saying this is a really great footer, but <laughs> you guys have a lot of a lot of really good resources on there and a lot of social channels, um, and I just. I mean, just hearing you talk and it's like, we, we do talk to a lot of projects and, you know, I think when people saw all this start with, with cryptocurrency, they were like, oh, there's these different markets that are happening in these different projects. And these are all their own things. Right. But th what they don't realize is that just the proliferation of new business models and other companies that are built on top of all of these other individual things, they didn't know that, you know, one, you know, plus one was going to equal infinity. And, and it's like, that's the world that we're living in now, which is, which is insane true and also currently in the works uh, and and we've talked about this a lot at the recent um ethereum conference in paris is um, the optics protocol optics is basically a communication layer that um that uh, builds um, or that is uh, the foundation for communication between different EVM compatible chains, which then in a second step also enables bridges between all these chains. So you could then imagine having a, a Bitcoin on Cello and sending it in like five seconds because the Cello block time is five seconds um, to a mobile phone um, at much lower cost. And I think also here, this is the great thing about this like community uh, that it's very open and that it actually likes to work together in contrast to my old world where you basically try to keep your competitors or competitors <laughs> or everybody else as far as possible out um, and, and build walls and Chinese walls and, and, and uh, within the companies. Um, yeah, so I think this is, this is nice. True. Um, I'd like to talk about stable coins a little bit here. So you mentioned yes. uh, the Cello dollar and the Cello euro. Um, it's it's fresh on my mind because I had someone send me, there's like, a, I guess Tether did it and, and an attestation of their assets. And it was like uh, breaking down. It's, it's, you know, there's T-bills, there's repo notes, there's 
commercial paper CDs, like they've got like, uh, they've got a lot, they've got a lot of these traditional assets. And it's, I'm just curious, like, how do you manage to keep, um, you know, what, keep assets behind your dollar and, and uh, your Euro stable coins? Yes, um, it's a good question. And I think the first and, and very important uh, point is that the Cello blockchain um, allows for embedded stable coins. I think I mentioned this before, but embedded stable coins means that like at the smart contract levels, it is a level, it is enabled that I can pay for gas in multiple currencies, which means I can for gas, uh, pay for gas uh, in cello dollar if I send cello dollar or in cello euro if I send cello euro, which makes it very easy um, to to um, to use. Um, then a second point on the stable coins, uh, more directed towards your question, is these are um, algorithmic stable coins. Um, so there's a smart contract based um, protocol that. Um, incentivizes users to expand or contract the supply of stable coins depending on varying levels of demand and therefore keep the price um, stable. I think having it smart contract contract based is uh, great because it um, is auditable, it is open source, people can actually verify what the protocol is doing. Um, and then having it base, uh, built in a way that it actually incentivizes users um, by um, giving users arbitrage opportunities if the stablecoin at a centralized exchange would trade at a different price makes it very, very like uh, fast um, or like reacts very fast to, to varying levels of, of demand mm -hmm. and, and therefore is... Um, I think a, a, a good good system um, that also in the long run can can stay stable, that also in the long run can scale to to high amounts of liquidity, and and therefore I think it's it's um, good. And then underpinning this expansion and contraction mechanism is a crypto only reserve, and this crypto only reserve. Um, consists of course of the cello governance asset but there are also other assets in this crypto only reserve like for example bitcoin and dai and eth um, now we are adding or the cello community is actually adding um, tokenized carbon credit um, and this is maybe a, an interesting side story already in the first cello white paper there was this idea actually by charles eisenstein and sepp kamwa that this technology enables that um, currencies on Celo can actually be backed by things we would like to see more of. Um, so for example, when the dollar was backed by gold, people started to mint gold because it's like printing money. So why not back currency with trees or carbon credit and therefore people start to plant trees or give carbon credit a higher value and make carbon emissions more expensive. Um, and the cello reserve has a lot of potential to go in that direction because on the one hand, it's nice, it's it's good for the environment, it's something we would like to see more of. And on the other hand, it also diversifies the assets in the reserve into other into other risk factors like, for example, carbon credit or forest. Um, so, um, yeah, to, to summarize uh, a bit, the cello stability mechanism is algorithmic. It has the seniorage asset, the cello um, governance asset, um, but it also has a reserve that is crypto only so that everyone can verify that the reserve is actually in place. And I guess on a related topic, do you think, I guess, what do you think about stable coins that are backed by traditional assets? Does that, does that present systemic risk to crypto? I, I, don't, wrong. I mean, I don't think it, it, it um, presents systemic risk. It's just a very different risk um, than these algorithmic stable coins. It is, of course, less transparent um, because if they are backed by traditional assets, in, in, in most cases currently, they are um, backed by bank credit, the fiat-backed stable coins. Um, has many different uh, different effects, I would say. One thing is about that, it's bank backed by bank credit. Um, this means credit has credit risk. This means it depends on the bank liquidity. If the collateral is actually in place, 
um, then there's still a risk because, uh, yeah, credit always has a credit risk. Every bank has a counterparty risk. Therefore, maybe some regulators in the world say if it's a fiat-backed uh, stablecoin, then we actually need to regulate the bank that holds the collateral because it's not based on smart contracts. It's not easy for the user to see if the collateral is actually there. Therefore, somebody has to do it and has to verify it. Um, and and th therefore, it's a very easy stability mechanism since it's basically very directly pegging the stablecoin to the underlying fiat. But it's very complicated to evaluate um, the counterparty risk of the bank, for example. Um, I think then a, a second thing um, next to, um, or maybe a third thing next to transparency and counterparty risk um, and so on is we can actually have a, uh, we can have multiple stable coins also on Celo. So you could see in future uh, algorithmic stable coins on Celo, but also maybe fiat backed, maybe central bank backed stable coins and so on. Um, I think the first and most important thing is that the blockchain, the layer one, is, is, is uh, efficient and enables very fast transactions. Um, but yeah, then um, all these different stablecoins maybe have competing and different risks. And, and um, sometimes for users, it's hard to, uh, to, to uh, yeah, evaluate the risk of a fiat-backed stablecoin versus a, a fully decentralized and algorithmic stablecoin. But I still believe in also here in open source, in and people looking at the code and people being able to see um, that, like what is happening. Um, and, and therefore I see a lot of value in there. I think it's pretty interesting. Um, you know, just with like the, the big hack that happened yesterday, um, you know, Tether froze like $90 million, I think. Um, and, you know, at, at least that's what I, couple of tweets don't don't quote me too much on it but i think they froze a large subset of that and that kind of brings up an interesting piece there of so if i'm like they could just freeze my tether at any point in time yeah. um and and what what does that you know what that that takes you down a completely different rabbit hole yeah true and it's still not censorship resistant um because yeah probably the tether banks wherever they are they, um, I mean, they can be, also the assets there can be frozen, they can be regulated, they can go bankrupt, they can go, uh, go illiquid. Um, so it's not censorship resistant. Is it still a centralized, um, a centralized, I would say, approach? But um, on the other hand, um, Tether has huge liquidity. Um, yeah. So it's, it's very easy to use uh, Tether. Um, and I think it just has a very different risk profile. So right. probably you have very low risk in like, if you estimate volatility by just looking at historic prices, but you have high potential tail risk uh, in like crazy events happening. Yeah, and it's it's a step, it's a step away from the old system. It's probably a step in the right direction, but we're innovating so quickly that it's like, you just gotta keep pushing it. I, I do have a, like, you know, let's, let's stick on stable coins, the most interesting topic that we could possibly find. Right. But I, think, <laughs> I really think it's, it's, there's something about it because you see a lot of stable coins pegged to the U S dollar. Obviously the U S dollar has been around a long time. It's very powerful. You know, you see it like on the Euro, which is like a newer currency, you know, based on like just history. And then you see some other ones like a Singaporean dollar. But it's, at some point, it's like, okay, like you said, there's counterparty risk and you're you're taking counterparty risk in that sense against these governments, which like really, you know, if, if all of these like super hardcore native crypto everything, it's like, that's what people are trying to get away from. So it's like, why do you think we haven't seen almost like a blended stable coin or like a stable coin for crypto that's like using some sort of inflation, maybe small inflationary mechanism off of maybe like Bitcoin or, or something else like... Are, why don't we have this like blended crypto stablecoin that like everyone's agreed on yet? Yes, um, it's a great question. And I really would like to see it very soon on Celo. Um, but like starting first with like, there are so many dollar backed stablecoins. Um, mm -hmm. 
especially all the fiat-backed stablecoins are dollar-based. Mm -hmm. And this has a very easy reason um, yeah. because interest rates in the US are positive. So the protocol or the project actually earns the interest rate differential um, between like zero interest on the stablecoin and then positive interest on, on the collateral. And this can be a lot of money if the stablecoin grows quickly. In Europe, the story is very different. We have negative interest rates now for years um, and they are still continuing to be negative um, on, on bank deposits. So you can't build a, a fiat-backed stablecoin based on the euro. Either you would lose money or you would have to charge your users. Um, so it's not as easy. And therefore, again, a big advantage for this building decentralized algorithmic stablecoins um, on Celo here you don't have the problem of the negative interest rate um and and then um the other thing you mentioned this is like totally possible and and we see now after cello dollar and cello euro in um, dunia pay in west africa actually initiated a local currency a local stable coin the cello west african franc um, so we see like that also this stable coin universe is quickly growing and you could then either build a stable coin that is stable to some basket of crypto, like you said, but you could also imagine stable coins that maybe are stable to a local basket of goods people are purchasing in their local area that might be very different uh, from area to area. So a lot of potential to have all these different types of currencies, which again brings us back to now we can actually innovate on money and have like all these different types um, of stable coins as well. Don't you think these banks, especially like you're saying in, in Europe, if, if there's negative interest rates and, you know, like you guys are making it easy, put in your phone number and, you know, now get some exposure to even a, a very basic, you know, three, four percent that could be out there where there's, you know, coins are doing much more than that, that are, you know, still have like a lot of liquidity. I mean, wouldn't you be like, are your old buddies panicking? at these banks, like, I, I feel like I would be panicking, thinking like, well, it's just a matter of time. I'm, I'm yes, I'm protecting this money that's here, but we've yeah. seen how quickly that could move. It's like, I feel like I would like, unless there's just, they've got blinders on, they're like, no, this is not actually gonna happen. But I feel like, especially in an area where there's negative rates, I, I just feel like there should be some sort of panic and maybe they're just not seeing it. And, and, and you can see this panic in the form of, there are now like hundreds of, central bank conferences, business commercial bank conferences, um, Bank for International Settlement conferences on this topic on, on crypto um, because, because they now know we have to look at it. And probably every large bank now has at least a small department or a person that um, looks into it. And when we talk to them, I mean, of course, you could panic. On the other hand, you could also just like look at this technology, look at the potential of technology and interpret your role in a new and different way. As a bank, you know your users. So you could be a KYC AML instance. Um, yeah. As a bank, you could uh, provide interesting on and off ramps for users who want to send crypto around uh, the world. Um, as a bank, you could be a validator on Celo um, and validate payments. Um, as so, you, since this like technology is open source, it's it's open source for the blockchain world, for the DeFi protocols, but it's also open source for the banks, so they can also look at it and, and use it. So yeah, I think my call would be they should yeah look at it in a productive way. How uh, on a related uh, super fun topic about banks? Um, how do you see the what do you see the role of a bank being stuck between crypto on one side and CBDCs on the other? I, I'm looking at it like if a government has a CBDC and I've got a wallet on my phone as a citizen of that country, I have a direct channel. Why do I yes. need the bank? I have basically and then if I have crypto, why do I need the bank? Yeah, yeah, it's a good good point. I I as a customer of that country and now have direct access to the reserves of the central bank and then the commercial bank should worry about the disintermediation that would cause this but yeah also here i would say um the banks can can have this great opportunity to interpret their role new and therefore for example all the neo banks 
hey, please consider building an integration to Cello. You could allow your, your customers on their mobile phone in your app to send Cello dollars, Cello euros around the world. You can have like a wallet in Cello dollar. They can have the traditional fiat wallet with you. So they can like be the link between fiat, be the link uh, to crypto, which is an still super interesting link. I mean, many businesses in 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 or all businesses in most of most countries still for example have to pay their taxes in fiat so that this link has to like be in place for quite some time um and and if i were a bank i would now like look into this link and and focus on that and provide that um because then i would be like yeah ready for for this new future so interesting. Yeah, I feel like we could just go through. It's just such an interesting time, especially like here in the U.S. There's a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of talk from a, you know, a legislation standpoint of what's going to happen. And, um, you know, but the prices of cryptocurrency keep kind of moving up. Everyone, you know, that's been asking, they're like, well, wasn't that really negative? I'm like, I, I don't have an opinion. Just go look at the market. Right. And, and see what the market is deciding on what's happening. And it's I think. Like you're saying, a lot of the the people that are out there are trying to figure out how do we navigate this now, right? Because it's very simple. Anyone, you know, under the age of 25 is going to go very simply figure out how to get six or seven percent, right? Yeah. And like I, I just think back to like, you know, grandparents that you know back in the day buying, you know, like treasury notes and like little like and after 30 years getting paid out like you know 40 percent or whatever it may be and then looking at this market and saying man there, there's projects that are moving up 40 percent in a couple of hours right so it's like you know if if you make one move um you potentially could do as well as what it used to take 30 years to do which is is crazy and and sometimes asinine to, to think that that's not going to be sustainable whatsoever but what is sustainable is these countries are now going to compete against each other to do the same thing that these projects are technically doing right yeah. like if i'm the us and i have a cbdc why that then that's awesome because then someone in some other country that i did not have access to before can hold hold my stable coin right and secure my network and it's it's the same battle that they're they're it's they're waging against um the rest of the countries with what they're doing with currency but now it's just You've added 5,000 new things into it, but the rest of this market is so far ahead. Yeah, true. And it's also interesting to see that like many, especially like institutional players went into this space, not in the first like bull run of Bitcoin, but actually in the first crash because they saw it crashing, but they saw it also that it didn't go to zero. So right. they realized there is some value in this technology. So we have to look at it um, and yeah. I mean, as with every newer economy growing up or, or new market, uh, there are like hype cycles. There's a lot of speculation, um, and and probably we need this um, here and there um, to then also have some crashes that that clean out the ecosystem and make room <laughs> for new things. Yeah. Um, but uh, I still. I mean, we've we've touched on so many interesting developments in in this overall space. So I'm I'm very positive. Awesome, man. Well, you know, we're we're at the hour here, and you know, I feel like you know we can we can do another hour on stable coins if we wanted to. But um, no, man, I just I really appreciate you coming on, and it's been fun to just kind of pepper you with some of these questions and have a good conversation. And I think it's you know people like yourself moving from the traditional world into our world and. You know, being here for a long time now and and building that's really what makes this so special so you know i, I think what's happening at cello is amazing um and i think people are going to really start to see some of that stuff and you guys great backers great website great design and and john and i feel you with uh designing for mobile first we're, we're going through that right now i can just see it in john's face he's probably reviewing designs on the right sa side while we're doing that but <laughs> don't don't make an announcement of an announcement yet. <laughs> um but no man i really appreciate it you know where can people find you where can people find cello how do they get involved um yeah uh also appreciate a lot it was a very like interesting fun great conversation um had yeah i i liked it a lot um, I think good start to look more into Cello is either like the Cello webpage on cello.org. Um, people can can find me 
Um, also on Telegram, for example, uh, Marcus underscore F uh, is my Telegram handle. Um, people can chat, check out um, the Cello Discord chat on chat.cello.org. Um, um, so many things to get in touch. Um, people should check out, um, for example, the Cello Bootcamp um, because it's a very interesting incubator um, that that yeah teaches so much more, um, also on a technical level that that I couldn't teach, for example, and and therefore yeah, uh, check it out and and build something amazing. <laughs> cool. Awesome, man. Well, no, appreciate it. And everyone listening, thank you so much. You'll be able to find this on YouTube tomorrow, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Twitch, you name it, Facebook, keep going. And John, as always, man, this was awesome. And Marcus will chat with you uh, backstage, my man. Thank you.